Welcome to episode three of the Portland Pilot Alumni Podcast. I'm your host, Brant Miner, 2006 graduate from the University of Portland, played on the men's basketball team. Our guest today, Luis Robles, also a 2006 graduate from the University of Portland, one of my classmates, buddies while we were there, um, played 15 years of professional soccer, including all sorts of accolades. And humility is one of the things that stands out to Luis, so he won't mention all of his accolades. But I'm excited to have you on. Appreciate your time, taking some time out of retirement. Thank you. Let's go. Yeah, the one thing that we noticed right away, just looking at the screen, is is how much darker I am. <laughs> Obviously, I'm in Portland, Oregon. I'm a little bit. I'm still in Portland, so you got that Southern Florida sunshine. Yeah, I mean it's February and it. I just took my daughter to a tennis lesson. It's 85 degrees and just sweating. It's unbelievable. So it's a, it's a nice place to be, but, but nonetheless, man, I miss the Northwest. It was a great time there. Well, we're, we're happy to have you as an alum and I've followed your career and all your successes and um, lived vicariously through your MLS career and um, always say, Hey, I know that guy, that guy and I were in school together when you were, you know, 2016 MLS player of the year and all the good stuff you did. I kind of felt like university of Portland had something to do with that. Um, 100%. Oh, dude, Grant, 100%. I mean, the, the really nice thing about the MLS, um, schedule is every other year I get to go back to the Northwest. Well, I mean, every year you go back to Northwest, either it's Vancouver or Seattle or Portland, but specifically every other year you get to go back to Portland. So that gives me an incredible opportunity to catch up with uh, people that I went to school with, people that I played with, and just a, a few times I've been on campus. And, and that, that's really special. For me, one of my favorite memories uh, in recent memory is back in 2019, I was still with the New York Red Bulls and we were going back to play the Portland Timbers. And the whole family came out from New Jersey. Everyone flew out, my three kids, my wife, and we got to walk campus. I got to show my kids where, uh, you know, where I was able to develop and, and really some of the most important years of, of my life, my, my soccer life. And that was a really proud moment for me. So that, that wasn't too far away. That was only, um, only a couple of years ago. That's awesome, man. Recently retired. So enjoying that. Humidity kills me though. So oh, Dude, the summers here are brutal. They're summers brutal. in Florida. <laughs> summers in the Northwest are undefeated. Oh, it's the best, the for best, sure. The best. Of all the places I've ever lived, the Northwest, their summers are the best. I'm glad to hear that because I agree. And I tell people that when they're complaining about the rain, I'm like, it makes the summers green and no humidity. It's, it is a great place to live in the summer, but it does rain quite a bit in the winter. Just a little bit. <laughs> Not too much. You rust more than you tan here is what we joke, but... Well, talk to us a little bit about your decision to attend the University of Portland, kind of how the recruiting process went and why you chose um, to play at UP. Yeah, I, I really enjoy telling this part of my soccer story to parents, to uh, fans, just whoever, uh, whoever's willing to listen. The University of Portland was not, it wasn't on my radar. Uh, if anything, my parents sort of having that immigrant mentality. My dad's from Puerto Rico, my mom's from South Korea. They wanted me to go to the absolute best academic institution and they saw soccer as a way for, for me to get a scholarship. So I was looking at schools that, that were definitely up there um, in the rankings when it comes to the more prominent, more well-known academic institutions. But 
but the University of Portland, they, they for me at least in soccer circles, has always has always been highly regarded. And I, I wasn't heavily recruited by them, which was strange because I was getting letters and phone calls from a lot of a lot of schools uh, around the country. But <laughs> someone just snuck on here to, to, to take a piece of paper, so they're going to sneak back out. Uh, All right, but, no worries. We can edit it. But uh, I got contacted by them, and they were actually the first uh, recruiting visit I took. And I didn't know a lot about the school except within soccer circles. It was the type of school that was producing soccer professionals. So I thought, wow, th this could be an incredible opportunity. And then the other thing that I was hearing a lot were the co about the University of Portland were about the coaches, Clive Charles and Bill Irwin. So when I came on campus, incredible campus, um, and, and really it's only gotten better, right? I can't even imagine what it's like for recruits to come onto campus now and see the facilities that the University of Portland has in regards to soccer. But show up, we play the number one team in the country, Indiana University, they win 1-0. So it was just such a great weekend. And really the best recruiting line uh, took place on this weekend. It was Clive Charles and Bill Irwin. They bring me in, they brought in, they had a bunch of, it was like their big recruiting weekend. There was like 10 or 12 guys there. And, and, and they bring me into the office by myself and, and Clive, the head coach at the time says, Bill tells me that, that a lot of schools are after you. Well, he also showed me uh, the list of schools that, that you prioritize as, as your top schools. And I'll tell you what, if you, if you want to be a rocket scientist, go to Stanford. If you want to be a banker, go to Harvard. Uh, if you want to be a professional soccer, come to the University of Portland. Love it. It was done. It was over. It, it, was, it, was, it was finished. I, I did go to the other schools. I finished out my visits. And I actually committed in early October when they, when they offered me the scholarship. I didn't tell my parents for a while. Uh, and when I did, they were not happy about it. But for me, it was a no-brainer because I just wanted to be a professional soccer player. And one of the things at that time, at least early 2000s, it was 2001, 2002, a lot of these schools didn't have full-time goalkeeper coaches. And what I mean by that is they weren't on campus full-time. And coming from my background and my neck of the woods, I wasn't introduced to formalized goalkeeping or at least from a, a training perspective until I got to college. So I knew that I was already behind the eight ball. I needed to just commit to this. And, and I, was, I was going to put in the work. I was going to put in the hours. So for them to have Bill Irwin and then for him to be on campus full time, right? From, I mean, that was the only thing he did was, was coaching uh, goalkeepers and, and being the assistant coach for the program. I really took advantage of that. I, I say that I destroyed his body, like his knees are done, his back is done, because that is exactly what I did. I had him on the field every morning. We were training every morning. I had him in the afternoon for, for team practices. And then whenever I could convince him to, to do training in the evening, either by his house or on campus, man, I worked him to death. And, and, and really the reason for me going to the University of Portland lived out famously because I wanted to go there because they had a coach that not only was recognized as being one of the best in the country, um, but he was on campus all the time. And I took advantage of that to the nth degree and, and it really worked out perfectly for me. I love that. I, your work ethic has always stood out to me. And obviously um, with your long career that you had, um, 
it shows. And obviously, Perfect. Clive Charles. Like kids in the background. It, it, okay, it adds, to, it adds to it a little bit. Okay, they're they're no. just like screaming. I have no idea what they're doing. They're probably just playing tennis or soccer. But anyways, keep going. No, I I think well, Clive Charles, talk a little bit about what it was like. I know he was just there our freshman year, but Clive is. I mean, I, I learned a lot from him just being in the training room and hearing his, his sense of humor was one of the things that stood out to me about Clive was just the way he could crack a joke. But what, what did you learn or what stands out to you about the legendary Clive Charles? He, he was such a great socializer, right? I, I, I'm really glad that you brought that up because he socialized with everyone. And at the end of that experience, everyone loved him, right? Everyone just thought the world of him. I was not exposed to him so intimately because my focus and my relationship was with Bill. Um, but my roommate was a stud right off the bat, Miguel Guante. And, and Clive loved Miguel. So because I was roommates, I got the fringe benefit and I got invited to his house mostly because it'd be awkward for Miguel to get invited and not for me to get invited. So I went to his house and, and his interactions were always so lively. Um, one of these larger than life characters and, and, and it obviously the story is a tragic one um, because a year later he actually uh, succumbed to prostate cancer. And, and though it was a long fight uh, in the end, it, it was just, it was great because he went out on top with the girls, you know, they won. Um, and he really got to experience that. But nonetheless, like, you know, um, he was he was an incredible character and it was a big loss for us. But um, my my relationship was focused with Bill. I mean, I, like I said, I, I spent countless hours at Bill's house on the field with Bill. Uh, even now, I stay in touch with Bill. And, and one of the proudest moments of my Portland life is I always wanted to pay it forward and I always wanted to honor Bill. And so a couple of years ago, my wife and I were able to start an endowment fund and it's the, uh, the Bill Irwin soccer, uh, soccer, summer soccer scholarship. And we've been able to encourage others to donate, to, to be a part of it. And then of course, for us, we've, we've been able to, to be a huge part of it. That is really cool. Um, I know you are a generous donor and an active alum. So thank you for all you do for the current athletes and the soccer players and being able to do that. That is, that is awesome that you're able to give back um, and support and help those kids that were where you once were. I think that's incredible that you are so generous and helping future generation and giving back. So Tell us a little bit about your, I mean, there's so many memories of just probably those times out there with nobody else around, but give us a favorite memory as a soccer player at the university. Is there any moment that sticks out? Any uh, one or two really memories? Because unfortunately, uh, my redshirt year, which means I didn't participate, they won the WCC. And then when I left, they won the WCC. So really it was my years that there, there wasn't much of anything, but for me, it was my final game. And the reason that was so special for me is it really gave me an opportunity to reflect on the growth process, the development process. And so much of that development and growth was on the soccer field, in the locker room and in the classroom. And of course there's a social aspect to it, but I, I do think that my college experience was a little differently in the sense that uh, my major by far was soccer. I mean, 
if you looked at my day and the way I broke down my day, I was, I was on the field in the gym or doing something soccer related six, eight hours a day. And it didn't matter if it was competitive season or if it was spring season or summer season. Uh, that was just my mindset. I was going to university of Portland to become a professional soccer player. And I did utilize the time to get a degree in the process, but nonetheless, I, I was there to develop into the best possible soccer player so that I could have a long professional career. And in the end, uh, there was just a lot that the university added to my life. And I think this is why I'm so motivated to give back and constantly give back. And it, it's not like, as you mentioned, um, just through the fund, but if there's anything that I can do for the university, whether it's content, whether it's advice, whether it's being on some of these Zoom calls, I'm just a huge advocate for the university because when I look at my 15 year professional career and all that I got to experience, I just know deep down that that would not have happened without that experience at the University of Portland. So I'm indebted to them. And uh, for the rest of my life, I will continue to be an advocate for the university, but also my generosity will always be uh, within that scope of how can I help back? How can I help give back to the university? Man, that just inspires me. Um, being a professional soccer player may be a little bit more financially um, rewarding than being an assistant college basketball player. But I love what you said, because that's what I'm trying to do mm -hmm. by doing some of these Zoom calls by I want to give back because my time and my journey is a little different because I wasn't quite the athlete that you are. So but finance, finance major, was that what you got finance your degree in? So you were able to get a degree, but you were also able to accomplish that goal of being a professional soccer player. And I mean, I, I heard today, and I don't know if this is true, but you played 90 minutes for 113 straight games or broke the it's record. True. It's true, but that, that's not the right number. 183. And then if you include the playoffs, it's it's 200 straight games. So 200 that's sort of like my MLS moniker, the, the Iron Man of, of Major League Soccer. But I don't identify with that at all. To me, it's it's uh, it just shows um, consistency, right? Because as a goalkeeper, you're really judged by not necessarily the saves you make. It's the mistakes you don't make. That's what really allows someone to have a long career as a goalkeeper, because what coaches are looking for, what organizations are looking for is, is consistency. And so just to take it to another level, when you consider that record and just how long it was, I think it's six seasons, six straight seasons uh, without missing a minute. Um, it, it just, again, shows consistency. Like your play has to be consistent. You're not making the sort of mistakes that are costing the team. You're playing at a level that's high enough that you're actually earning the team points. But then you're also, you're taking care of yourself and you're putting in all the work that's necessary uh, to not deal with some of those minor injuries that can derail a career pretty quickly. Uh, and then of course, luck, man, at the end of the day, like God's grace in my life has been incredible. There's, there's just no way that I can just say the three straight face without really talking about uh, just how, uh, you know, his grace in my life is incredible, whether it's my career or the person I married, uh, the family I have, the support system that surrounds me. Uh, there's so many things that I have no control over that has been a part of my life that has allowed me to experience some of that. So I know that there's a, there's a lot of really good stuff that if you just look at Wikipedia, it's there. But uh, to me, when I think about my career, I, I've been able to be a part of a lot of winning teams. We've won a lot of games. We won trophies. I was able to be 
a part of that leadership group. I was able to, to lead players. And as I retired, one of the best things for me, at least personally, that I got to experience was this the sheer amount of text from younger players who sort of affirmed the investment I put into them, right? Just for them to say, like, you always took the time to, to help me out as a professional, help me out as a person. That, that's what my leadership was about. Like, I, I knew that on the field, one of the best ways to be a leader is, is just play well, like just perform, right? But in the locker room, when no one's watching, when I'm sitting by a younger player uh, side by side, just giving them some wisdom and helping them out and saying things that are just honest and at times difficult. But I know at the end of the day, if they process it properly, it's going to make their life better. So to get as many um, messages I did that were in that vein, to me was fulfilling, like beyond all the other stuff, but, but just to be a part of people's lives and feel like you add value to their life. Uh, that was the, the real affirmation for me as, as a professional. I love that. Consistency though. I mean, you don't feel good, you show up. You got a little nagging injury, you show up. And to be the moniker of the Iron Man of the MLS, mm -hmm. that just shows that you were taking care of your body that you were disciplined enough to do that. But, and I also picked up what you said about, it's not the great saves you make, it's the mistakes you don't make. Mm -hmm. I think if you're watching that, take note of that point, because that is, that's, that's a lot of life too. It's not just, oh, you had a good highlight, but limiting your mistakes and how you bounce back and overcome those, I think is a huge point. But man, to not miss a game and that's just, that's just mind boggling to me, especially when you're putting your body on the line a lot as a goalkeeper. Yeah. I mean, I, I had injuries. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I, I, I complete, I tore my ACL one year and I continue to play on it. Um, I tore my MCL a few times, rotator cuff, um, you know, dislocated fingers. Like there's all sorts of injuries, but there's just this idea that, and I always, I always put it on the coaches. I'm not the type of guy that, oh, I'm just going to play, I'm going to play. If they felt that I made the team better, if they felt that by having me on the field, we had a better chance of winning, I'll play through the injury. And there were times I could not walk. You know, like there were times where, where my knees were just really struggling. Um, and, and then the other thing is if, if I couldn't practice, I didn't want to play. Because that always bugged me like deep down. Like I, I didn't always articulate it, but I couldn't stand like when guys didn't practice. You know, like I just... And I'm not saying you had to be that there every single day, every single drill. Obviously, you, there's there's a it's a long season. There's a lot of travel. There's there's a lot of things. But it it, it spoke a lot to me. The guys that I could really count on were the ones that it's a Wednesday, right? And if they wanted to take the day off, they could take the day off. They just played 90 minutes. They're gonna play 90 minutes again on the weekend on Saturday. It, you know, it's Wednesday. Like the coach is gonna overlook if they don't want to play. And the ones that are out there playing all the time, those are the ones I respect. Those are the ones that not only build a culture within a locker room, but those are the type of guys that an organization can count on. And I always wanted to be one of those guys. And some of the guys that I went to battle with, the ones that I have the most respect for are those guys. I think that leadership stands out, man. And you're obviously a dynamite leader. Um, you helped lead the Red Bulls to the first, is it called the Supporters Shield? Supporters Shield, yeah. yeah. Um, as a goalie and leader of a program to set like a historic mark, what, what's that like? I mean, how, how was that experience getting that trophy and being the first part of that first team to achieve that? I mean, it's nice when it's said, but it's not something that I dwell on. Um, 
for the longest time I had like all these individual trophies and they're in these boxes and we moved from one house to another and my wife opened up the box and she was just like I've been looking for these and it's like that it's not that important to me like for me it's it's I want the team to do as well as possible and then we want to win as many trophies as possible and then you have to reset like that's just the way it is love that you you can't just sit there and be like oh man like what what an incredible season how great were we like I'm just not that person, but it's also to a fault too, because I'm not very sentimental. My wife complains all the time about me, you know, enjoying moments. And even the therapist that I worked with or those sports psychologists was saying that you have to stop and smell the roses because it just makes it gratifying. Yeah, to a point. But when I started working with them, I was already in my thirties and like, I'd already done a lot. So for me, it was just still about the next one, the next one, the next one. And, And I just have such a worker mindset, even now, as I'm looking like where exactly I want to transition and what is the next step for me, my confidence isn't necessarily my experience. My confidence isn't necessarily my skill set, though those things play, uh, play into it. My confidence is the fact that no matter where I go, I'm just going to work. Like, that's just what I do. Like, um, I don't really know how not to. And, and even in Germany, it, it rubs some coaches the wrong way. Because one, American culture is different and, and that we do value that in a different way. Um, but they'd always say like, you're going, you're going to, uh, it, you're, you're either going to have injuries or you're not going to get the performance that you wanted. And yet for me, so much of the mental was founded on the prep. And if I wasn't preparing, then mentally I didn't feel right. So they can break that down and dissect that however they wanted. I just knew that if I continue to believe in myself and do what has made me successful in the end, I will get the desired end result. So now it's easy 15 years later to look back and say, yeah, it worked. But in the process, I couldn't have known that yet. That's where my belief was. That's where my beliefs were founded. And that's what I would always look back to when things weren't going well, is that as long as I uh, prepared the way that I, I, I normally prepare, then the mental part will be there and, and eventually the results will be there. Now, sometimes the results weren't there, but I, I just stuck to it. And fortunately the results, the results came. Results came. I think preparation is key. I think that's a great point that even if you don't get the results you want, if you're preparing the best you can every day, you can't really have too many regrets about that. But if you don't prepare, if you don't put in the time, if you cut corners, if you don't touch the lines, and you don't get the results you want, then you'll have regrets. So sure. I know I'm excited. I'm excited to see what's next for Luis because I know you're going to put the same effort and this, what made you successful as a soccer player is going to be what makes you successful in your next journey, whether that's giving back to the game or coaching or whatever it is you do. I'm confident that you're going to be successful because of the skills that made you a successful soccer player. Yeah. And I'd like that you're not, you didn't put your whole identity in being a soccer player either. That's one of the things I've heard a lot is people go through identity issues when they step away from their sport. Mm-hmm. But I know, I know you're a man of faith and that's something I've always admired about you too. Um, you're not just putting all your eggs in that soccer basket. Obviously that's why you went to university of Portland was to be a pro, mm-hmm. but your faith and things like that make you more than just, a soccer player there's yeah, so much sure. more yeah i appreciate you saying that i mean my my faith i think is is what has allowed me to to understand what's true and understand what's true about myself uh but then also 
not get caught up with soccer just being my identity. And, and really, as I look to the next stage, the, um, the, the part that I want to continue more than anything is, is this idea of making things better. Um, one thing that I learned at the University of Portland that I carried with me throughout my 15 years as a professional, and even now for the rest of my life, is, is Bill used to say to me, leave the place better than you found it. And that was something that even at the end in Germany with my last club, where it was just not going well, I, it stuck with me when I was in New York and we were transitioning to a different coach, or maybe it was a rough season. I just kept thinking, even if this is my last season, if this is my last game, you just want to leave the place better than you found it. And what has happened throughout my years and my experiences is that has grown. That has grown, that's grown, that's grown. Because in the beginning, it was just soccer. It was just the locker room. It was just the guys that you come across. But then it ended up being in the community. It ended up being uh, in your neighborhoods. It ended up being within the organization. And what I was able to witness and experience is that permeates in so many ways, in a bigger way than you can ever imagine, right? Taking care of the little things and the big things will take care of themselves. These were all lessons I learned at the University of Portland. These are all lessons that I, I, I got from Bill Irwin. And they continue to be uh, vital sort of maxims in my leadership, but also guiding, uh, guiding lights to what it is that I wanna accomplish. And so while I was in New York with uh, the New York Red Bulls or while I was in New Jersey with the New York Red Bulls, that's why I was so involved in the community when uh, I was getting towards the end. And, and yeah, I mean, we're very fortunate that we had some really good contracts. I was thinking, how can I give back? And well, one of the best ways I can give back is provide additional funding and scholarships for, for the men's team. And I mean, that's just a few of the examples. I feel like I grew up in a household that was very generous. I always saw my parents paying for my friend's stuff. My wife is like, to the 10th power of generosity. So she really challenges me. Sometimes she says something about how we should be generous with some of the things that we have. Uh, and I cringe and I was just like, oh man, this is gonna go to, to a place I'm not comfortable with, but she always challenges me. And, and because of that, she grows me. And, and because of that, I've also been able to have the sort of impact that goes back to that statement, leaving the place better than you found it. All right, so that's something that I tell my kids now, it's something that I'll take wherever I go as I try to grow the game in this country, as I continue to bring more awareness to what is MLS and, and really make it the best product possible. But that, that's sort of what I'm thinking. And those are the things that I look back at in my career is what sort of impact that I have, not necessarily the trophies or any of the awards. It's, I look at the New York Rebels and I felt like they were, they were thankful I came through there. I look at FC Kazakhstan, they were thankful I came there. And even in Miami, it was a challenging year. And yet the way that, um, that transition has happened. It's, it's, I'm, I'm all in trying to make this place better and do whatever is possible to make this place better. And they saw that they saw that it's beyond soccer. It's beyond just being the captain of the team. And I'm hoping that the next opportunity comes for that. Man, your humility is, and I can't wait to meet your wife. Hopefully someday I get to meet your wife. And if your kids want to be hoopers, send them my way, I'll coach them up. But I love that leave the place better than you found it. Bill, I mean, obviously, I mean, and I heard stories from Imani Dorsey and some of my friends on the women's team, make sure your boots are clean, right? Like just those little things. That's the things they say, take care of the little things and the big things will take care of themselves. They have these like, 
they had these just sayings, these punchlines, but it's crazy how they'd say it over and over and it, it just got stuck in your head. But after 20 years now, they're true. They're, they're so true. Do the little things because the big things, the little things are what make up the big things. And if you cut corners, if you don't keep your shoes clean, if you don't touch the line, how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I, I love those little cliche quotes and sayings. And I say that one a lot, how you do anything is how you do everything. But there's a reason why they are so true. And at the time, you're kind of like, oh, Coach Miner, Coach Bill, you're saying the same stuff. But after a while, it does start to sink in. And then when you get 15, 20 years down the road, you are thankful for those lessons that they taught you about the details. Details matter. Everything matters. And that's why I feel like we're successful is because of those lessons that you were taught as a coach. And that's why I'm a coach is because I want to be able to be that person in those kids' lives that gives them those things that they look back on when they're our age and says, wow, like I'm thankful for those opportunities. And I know that's what matters to me. I was invited to three weddings last summer and that that's more important to me than my wins and losses. Everybody wants to win, but having successful men, having graduations, being invited to graduations and weddings. So these were players. These were players, were players of mine. I got invited to three weddings. I went to one, masked up, but I went to one, and now he's a coach at a, at a school. So that's like a kid that I coached invited me to his wedding, and now he's in coaching. I was like, I got to make this one, even during a global pandemic, I need to go see this guy tie the knot. And so I hope I get to meet your wife because she sounds like she's keeping you in line. No, and she's, she's, she's keeping you in line. Honestly, the best person I met, it's not even a joke. So I'm very fortunate that, that she took me back in because we were dating in college. And, and I, I mean, it, it just, it, it made it challenging to date someone who was just always training and I think at that point, she's like, all right, well, you know, if this works out, it works out. Um, it worked out. So we, um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we've been able to go through this journey together. And we've experienced some really high highs and we've experienced some really low lows. We've done it together. We continue to, to, to hold the faith. We continue to believe in one another and support each other. And, and it's, it's been great. It's honestly just been truly incredible. And, and even when we started talking about retirement, she could see that for me, I would be fine if I kept playing. Um, I was always going to be that person. I was going to prepare the same way. But she also could see that my mind was starting to transition on how can I make a difference in this area? How can I make a difference in this area? And, and maybe even in some respects, a bigger difference than I was making in the locker room or, or just being on the field. And, and so once that started to outweigh the difference I felt like I could make on the field, she sort of gave me her blessing and, and the whole time, like, it's, it's not as if, you know, I just retire and put my feet up. Like We're still doing stuff every single day. And, and eventually I will get a job and eventually I will find the, our next career and we'll do it together. I love it. But I, I love that you're able to take your daughter mm -hmm. or to, to tennis lessons at what, whatever, two thirty or whatever yeah. it is yeah. on a Tuesday. Yeah, so this, was, this was my day yesterday. I woke up took my son and my older daughter to school, came back home, had breakfast with my younger daughter, took her to school, went and met one of my former teammates to play pickleball for an hour, came back, picked up my younger daughter, 
and went and played tennis. We just went and hit balls for an hour and just drenched. But I mean, she loved it. That's what she wanted to do. Go home real quick, change my shirt, and I go pick up my other kids. And then my son wants to play soccer, right? So it's just great. It's it's a really nice life. And I wish I could do it forever. I think a part of me will go crazy eventually, not because of the, the family element, but I also want to feel like I'm bringing something to the table. Um, but right now we're in a really sweet spot. So uh, we're, we are starting to figure out what is on the horizon and what's next for us. And we started speaking with some organizations and some teams, but I'm not trying to rush this part. This part is really, really nice. And who knows? I mean, you're not going to get back this time, right? You know, you have a kid. Um, yeah. If whatever that next job is, it consumes me. Uh, it just won't be the same. So I'm just trying to take advantage uh, as much time as I can. Give us a piece. What advice? I mean, we've been talking about a lot of good stuff, but what advice would you give to a current soccer player at the University of Portland um, that's just looking for some mentoring or coaching? Just give us a nugget. Give us a piece of advice you would offer a current student. So, so the few times I've been back, that is usually one of the questions that's asked me. And I share a piece of my mentality, right? Because the mentality part, I think, is what's allowed me to sustain that level of success and consistency. And since I was 26 years old, I started to develop this understanding of who I want to be, what type of player I want to be, what type of leader I want to be. And it has given me a lens in which to judge my day. All right. So it took it to even more the micro of the micro. And so I'd ask myself two questions every single day post, right? And the two questions, and I asked myself this for 10 years, did I give it my all today? Because only you can answer that. And it's not results-based. It's purely effort, right? Did you give it your all when things weren't going well, when things were going well, when you just weren't feeling that great? Like, did, did you give everything that you could today? And in my mind, if I could say yes, most of the time, I'm going to be better off. And then the second question is, was I the best teammate possible? Now you can break this up into even bigger things, but did I react well to situations, right? Because there's a lot of things that you have no control over, yet you have control over your effort. That's the first question. And you have control over your reaction. And that's the second question. And so I, I felt that if I could have a green light day on most of these days, like both were good, I was going to be okay. And by having some of those red days, by asking those questions, you're introspective enough to try to figure out how to make it better, how you could have reacted better, how you could have fought through whatever feeling you're feeling because someone said something. Um, and so for me, at least, if you can develop that sort of self-belief and that sort of introspective part of your game, I think at that point, you're really advancing who you are as a player. Because in the end, a lot of it is going to come down to mental. The physical got you. That's why you're already in college playing, right? But if you want to get to the next level, the highest level possible, just as a person and as an athlete, you have to develop that mental part. And so for me, once I developed those two things, and I didn't, I don't, I don't even know how I came up with that. I feel like part of it was like a book, part of it was a, a family member saying something, part of it was just my own experiences, but that was it. That was what I, what I asked myself every single day. And this is actually why I liked driving is uh, when I moved to New Jersey, I came from Germany, I moved to New Jersey. Uh, the very beginning, we, we had to live like 25 minutes away from the training facility. Whereas in Germany, I live like right next to the training facility. I really loved that time. 
So then when we started looking for a bigger house, cause we're having more kids, I didn't want to be close to the facility. I wanted that buffer. I wanted 30 to 35 minutes each day because it was intentional. It was deliberate. My thoughts were deliberate. My, my thinking was framed and it was, it was always regarding those two questions. So I know that's, that's a big nugget, but I'm telling you, if a young athlete can really understand that, I think not only does that set them up to have a higher ceiling, but not only as an athlete, they're going to grow. They're going to grow into just the, the type of person that can really have an impact on their community. Huge. Did I give it my all? And was I the best teammate possible? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Did I give it my best effort today? Did I right? give it my best. And, and yeah. that's not results-based. Like it doesn't yeah. matter if your team lost. It doesn't matter if the ball went through my legs. Yeah. Sometimes that stuff happens. And then the second is how did I, did I react well to situations? Right. In the beginning, it was like, was I the best teammate? But then the more and more I became more of a figure within the organization, I was now each and every day subjected to different situations. I was talking with people in the front office. I was talking with fans, season ticket holders, supporters groups, uh, people, uh, just community outreach, people within my church, people in my community. Uh, it was a really, really nice time at the New York Red Bulls. I was there long enough that just sort of my, um, my, what's the word, like, um, I don't know, like my status grew. I, I, don't, I don't, it just, I had a, I had more asked of me. Right. And that's why it changed. It just started to morph. Like how did, did I react well in situations? Because a lot of times the situations weren't that great. You know, sometimes when you're listening to, um, to some people being critical of you, you have to listen to what they're saying and not how they're saying it, because maybe there's some truth, maybe there isn't, but at the end of the day, it's, it isn't necessarily what they're saying. It's, it's how you react to it. I think that's, and that's what, what you can control, right? Like you can't control what they say about you, what the media is saying, what the newspapers are saying, but how you react to what they're saying is 100% within your control. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's very little that you have control over, but in those two questions, you figure out very quickly the bulk of your control, what you're giving, your output, and then how, how you are reacting to situations. You said two words that really stuck out to me, intentional and deliberate. Mm -hmm. I think that that's something sometimes people think things are just going to happen, but if you're intentional about what you're doing and if you're deliberate about that, and I think I have the same thing. I have about a 35, 40 minute commute to my coaching job and it gives me time to think about those things and kind of have that little buffer, like you're saying. So I have kind of my family life and then I have the university life, but having that little buffer and giving yourself time on the way back. Okay. Did I, did I show up? Did I have that Mamba mentality of being the best version of myself today? Mm -hmm. And, and like you said, that's something, you know, yeah. and you can't lie to yourself. You can lie to other people, but at the end of the day, if you didn't give it everything you had, you you might have regrets and yeah. regrets. You don't want to live with regrets. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I, I mean, sometimes you, you literally just have 70% capacity that day. You know, that's fine. All right. Use all 70%. All right. You know, some days you're going to be at hundred. Okay. That's great. Then push it, push it, push it so that you, you stretch even what hundred percent looks like, but that that's the idea is, is only, you know, right? Like only, you know, and, and if you're at the point where you're lying yourself anyways, you're probably not even asking these questions. So that, that's why it, I feel like the people that are interested, the people that this resonates with, um, there is, there is something worthwhile in, in that thought. So many nuggets of information, Luis. I, I appreciate your time and hopping on and what you do for our university, our alma mater, and what you're doing now in the community. 
And like I said, if you need a basketball coach, I know your kids are getting a lot of the positive messages, yeah. but if there is ever anything that I can do to help you or help your family, man, you know, you got a friend. Um, next time you make it back to Portland, love to get to connect with you. Hopefully we're not having to be socially distanced and masked. Yeah. But yeah. if we are, I hope we're on the other side of this thing soon. So I but, hope hey, Brent, thank you. Thank you for having me. And it's just really nice to catch up and, and see you. It's been a long, long time. And been too long. I wish you nothing but success. So I appreciate it. I appreciate that. And um, we we're talking about our brothers. We're both got that military brother. So mm -hmm. that's a pretty good connection, those West Point ties. But um, yeah, God bless you, man. I'm I'm excited to see what where where you go next. And I'll be following along and cheering for you from out here in Portland. So let's definitely stay in touch, man. And if you're watching this and you wanna be like Luis and give back to the university, um, the athletic fund, it's on the UP website. Also, if you're a former athlete from the university that's watching this, portlandpilots.com backslash alumni, and you can get on the mailing list so you can find out all the exciting stuff that's happening. But again, Luis, thanks a lot, man. We'll definitely be in touch and uh, go pilots. Go pilots. Thanks, Brent. Just shoot it.